Welcome back to Pod PPL, folks. It's July. We've made it halfway through the year, and July has got a whole ton of celebrations in it. It's National Grilling Month, it's National Picnic Month, and it's National Baked Beans Month. In today's episode, I'll talk a little bit about the San Gabriel Mountains, their history, and a couple of cool trails. I'll also talk about what's going on in Pasadena's parks after dark this July. So buckle up. We're going to do a little bit of mountaineering. The San Gabriel Mountains loom large over Pasadena and much of the Los Angeles area, providing a starkly natural backdrop to our city hustle and bustle. They are difficult to ignore. Having grown up here, uh, they have always marked out north to me. Naturalist John Muir once said that he had never encountered such a rigidly inaccessible mountain range but also described them as being pure and untamable as the sea. Within them are abandoned mines, the remnants of resorts, unfinished highways, and other attempts at taming the rugged range. The first people to explore these mountains were the Tongva people, who cut trails throughout the mountains for trading. These footpaths linked many of the major landmarks of these mountains, including Red Box Saddle, Millard Canyon, and Mount Wilson itself. Some of these trails even extended all the way out to the Mojave Desert. In the 1770s, Spanish colonists and missionaries arrived from the south, crossing over the Puente Hills into the San Gabriel Valley in search of sites for the next mission. They eventually settled on a spot next to the Rio Hondo, the future location of the San Gabriel Mission. Now, the history of the mission is worth a deep dive of its own, but I will be brief here and say that it wasn't very much like what I was taught in elementary school. For the native Tongva, life at the mission was brutal. The Spanish colonizers used gifts to coerce and convince them to live on mission grounds, but once a Tongva had converted, they became a legal ward of the mission and were not allowed to leave. Even if one attempted to escape, the mission's military enforcers patrolled the remaining Tongva villages, However, there was one place that the Spanish had not explored. The San Gabriels became a refuge for Tongva resistance to the missions. By the time of Mexican control, the mission system had fallen apart. The Secularization Act of 1833 repossessed the missions and the vast tract of land that they managed. Unfortunately, by this time, the native population had plummeted by 74% due to newly introduced European diseases, among other things. So began the Rancho era of the San Gabriels, and soon after their development as a source of natural resources and eventually a tourist destination. After the Mexican-American War and the subsequent annexation of California by the United States, the ranchos fell into the hands of American owners. One of these men was Benjamin D. Wilson, also known as Don Benito, a former mayor of Los Angeles who owned a rancho at the foothills of Mount Wilson. In 1864, Wilson began a logging operation at the top of the peak, which now bears his name. He and his laborers cleared a trail to the summit through the Santa Anita Canyon that closely followed the old Tongva route, but it was abandoned after only a few weeks. However, by the 1880s, the trail was back in action. 
The great hiking era had begun in Los Angeles, and eager sightseers crowded to the summit to take in the incredible views. Soon, the peak began attracting another audience. Astronomers found that the peak's atmospheric conditions made it an ideal place to observe the night sky, and the first observatory on the mountain was constructed in 1889. Over the years, the observatory was gradually upgraded with larger telescopes and mirrors. In 1917, after a precarious journey up the newly opened Mount Wilson Toll Road, the 100-inch-wide Hooker Telescope was installed at the summit. This telescope was the largest in the world for over 30 years and was the site of several crucial astronomical experiments. It was here that Edwin Hubble proved the existence of other galaxies beyond the Milky Way and where he discovered the expansion of the universe. It was also here that Albert Michelson finished his 44-year-long quest to accurately measure the speed of light. The observatory operates to this very day, both as a functioning scientific site and as an educational destination for the public, and in my opinion is well worth the trip. Remnants dot the San Gabriel Mountains. Perhaps the most well-known of these two Pasadenans is the Echo Mountain House, which sat atop its eponymous mountain clad in a bright white paint. The White City, as it became known, included an observatory, miles of trails, and even a zoo. The whole complex was the brainchild of Professor Thaddeus S.C. Lowe, a self-taught inventor and aeronaut who had made a fortune from his experiments with gas, and who is someone who is worthy of a full podcast episode himself. After retiring to Pasadena, he began work on a scenic railroad high in the mountains above his 24,000-square-foot mansion. After an attempt to build on Mount Wilson failed, Lowe and his partners set their sights on Echo Mountain, and further beyond that, Mount Lowe. Guests to the hotel could take the Pacific Electric all the way from San Pedro to Altadena, where they transferred to a funicular system similar to that of Angel's Flight in downtown Los Angeles for a dramatic ascent to the hotel. The thrills didn't stop there, either. Guests could transfer to another trolley line that took them deep into the mountains and provided stunning views on the way to Ye Alpine Tavern, a faux Swiss lodge near the summit of Mount Lowe. Unfortunately, Professor Lowe himself ran through so much of his fortune that he was forced to sell his stake in his own mountain paradise. He died a pauper in 1913. The hotel and trolley system fell victim to fire and flood and was finally abandoned in 1939. Today, all that remains of the Echo Mountain House is the concrete foundation and some of the equipment used to power the trolley system. It's a popular destination with hikers. The resort era of these mountains came to a close for a variety of reasons. Nature was often the biggest culprit. High winds and wildfire destroyed many of the resorts and campgrounds, often multiple times over. At the same time, the Great Depression put the kibosh on many resorts as well. The financial strain of operating them, as well as rebuilding them after natural disasters, was high even before the crash. The massive flooding that took place across the Southland in February and March of 1938 decimated the remaining communities in the mountains. The closest these mountains have ever come to being tamed was the construction of the Angeles Crest Highway. 
This highway, which was originally planned as a fire access road, was finished in 1956. It opened up the mountains to campers and sightseers, but in doing so, robbed the mountains of a little bit of their mystique. The days of resorts and cabins were no more, and what was once an all-day journey into the heart of the San Gabriels became a two- or three-hour car ride. However, even highways are not immune from the wrath of the mountains. California State Route 39, which follows the San Gabriel River and links up to the Angeles Crest Highway, has been closed since 1978 due to landslide damage. A planned alternative route out of the canyon was never even finished because of the 1938 flooding. A bridge to nowhere was left stranded deep in the wilderness of the East Fork of the canyon, and is a popular destination with hikers and bungee jumpers today. Just two years ago, the Bobcat Fire tore through many of the public campgrounds in the Angeles National Forest. A decade before that, the Station Fire burned 160,000 acres, forced evacuations across foothill communities, and left two firefighters dead in the largest wildfire in L.A. County history. The San Gabriels remain rugged, even as the modern world encroaches on them. Then-President Barack Obama declared these mountains a national monument in 2014, aiming to preserve the wildness in Los Angeles' backyard. The mountains are more accessible than they used to be, of course, uh, which makes them much easier to explore on a day trip. One of the really unique features of these mountains, to me, is how fast it is to escape the city once you're in them. Trails line the foothills of pretty much the whole range, extending into canyons and up to the peaks that tower above the city, and interconnecting with each other all the while. Uh, these trails also... These trails also give a little glimpse into the history of the mountains, from the trails that the Tongva traveled, along to the TV and radio transmission towers. If you grew up in Pasadena like I did, you're probably aware of the trails in Eaton Canyon, the trail to the falls, and the trail up the old Mount Wilson Toll Road that passes through Henninger Flats. Those are both great trails, but they can get a little or a lot crowded. Here are a few of my favorite local trails that are a little less crowded. Rubio Canyon. This hike is one of my favorites. It's not too long, only about a mile and a half. Short enough to be back before lunch if you start in the morning. And it even comes with a little bit of history. The trail follows the old route of the Pacific Electric to Echo Mountain. After exiting Lake Avenue, the trolley turned east and followed Rubio Creek, eventually ending deep in the canyon. Here it met with a funicular railroad. You can still see the concrete foundations along the trail, dotting the side of the mountain in a straight line. In fact, if you are a really keen hiker, you can take a steep and very narrow trail, the short way up to the former site of the Echo Mountain House. To hike this trail, Simply head up to 1351 Pleasant Ridge Drive in Altadena. The trailhead is located in between two houses. Millard Canyon and the Dawn Mine. After parking, you'll pass by campsites and the occasional cabin as you get farther and farther in, and at the very end you'll be greeted by a waterfall with its flow split in two by a large boulder. Dawn Mine. 
This hike starts at the same trailhead as the previous one, but is definitely more strenuous. At six miles round trip, it'll take you a few hours, but it's well worth it. After leaving the Millard campground, you'll rise up out of the canyon along the Sunset Ridge Trail. After a little less than a mile, you should come across a fork in the trail next to a cabin. Take the left path into Upper Millard Canyon, where you'll pass by the falls that were at the end of the previous trail, and keep following the creek, even after it dries up. Eventually, you'll catch a glimpse of an old rusted mining engine, which means you've made it. Bring a flashlight and peer into the abandoned tunnels left by eager gold miners. You might even be able to walk into the tunnels for a few feet to enjoy the shade and the cool air as it escapes the shafts underground. Okay, folks. Uh, it's time for the in-podcast safety presentation. Now, I don't think I have to tell you this, but it is hot out there. And it is going to be that way for a couple of months or longer. So here are a couple of tips to stay safe up in those mountains. Remember to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Start early and take breaks if you need to. The earlier you start, the cooler it will be, and you'll have that added bonus of trails being a little less crowded. So all you early risers, you guys are lucky. Wear sunscreen and sunblocking clothes. You can't rely totally on natural shade to keep you out of the sun. Some of these trails are pretty exposed, and you don't want to risk sunburns or sunstroke. Now, I know that it is hotter than blazes during the day, but the nice thing about living in sunny Southern California is that it usually cools down a little bit uh, when the sun goes down. Here in Pasadena, we are really lucky to have all these wonderful parks and outdoor spaces and recreation centers. So to take advantage of that, uh, the city is having its 11th annual Parks After Dark. Uh, this runs until August 6th and includes free family-friendly activities at parks including Grant Park, La Pintoresca Park, Victory Park, Villa Park, Washington Park, and Robinson Park. Some of the activities that you'll be able to enjoy include sporting events, movies out in the park, swimming, and art workshops as well as more cultural events and vaccine clinics. Head to the city's website at cityofpasadena.net slash parks and rec to see all the events at all the parks going on for Parks After Dark. We are really lucky in Pasadena to be so close to these mighty mountains and all that they have to offer. So why not get out there? Go take a hike. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next month on Pod PPL. <laughs>